Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit So here we go then, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kings of Anglia flagship podcast, which, of course, is proudly sponsored by Manscaped and Ginger Pickle. Shout out to Tony Southgate and the team there for all your Google ads needs and all that jazz. Um, as you can hear, it's Roscoe in the uh, hot seat. Um, don't be alarmed. Uh, Heafy is off. A well-deserved break for him. Um, but yeah, I've been given the power to host this. So um, bear with me. Bear with me. But I'm joined by two fine gentlemen in AJ, fellow young gun. And the doctor, Stuart Watson, my friend. Uh, let's go right into uh, AJ. My friend, you have had a well-deserved two days off. You, you feeling refreshed, and ready to go? Yeah, absolutely. This feels really normal for me because we've done so many of these with just us two. When we've been over in uh, over in Innsbruck and with the pod over there. So it, it's no difference uh, having you hosting for me. I feel like it might be slightly different for Stu, although I, I'm sure he's had a few of these in the past as well. But yes, fully refreshed. A couple of days off after maybe the busiest preseason known to man and uh, ready to go again. Yeah, I have to admit, it was just me and you for a while. Uh, and <laughs> I've, you know, I've, I've missed you, mate. I've missed you. I know. Missed um, you. We, sometimes it's good to be away from each other for a while because, you know, yeah. So, yeah, a nice refreshed time. For all of us, but I'm um, still Watson. Always good. It was great to have you back on Monday. It was great to see you back on Saturday. You feeling good, my friend? I'm feeling good. I'm enjoying your your blossoming bromance. This is nice to see. Um, I have a question. What's the flagship show? Because they can't all be the flagship shows. Like it's just the flag, like the main pod with me. You know, me, you, AJ, okay. and Ben, basically. Okay. No mark means flagship. Is that what we're saying? Oh, oh. I'll, I'll feed it back to him. Don't worry. That's okay. <laughs> He's probably listening. Hi, Heafy. Um, I'm just saying because this is the the main like the main pod we, we do. Because um, we have the fan social, track the girls talk. I know, but just I'm just <laughs> making sure I, I don't get in trouble, um, which normally happens with me. Um, but there we go. Um, well, it's been another week in town. Not much has happened because um, no midweek game um, for us. So it's nice another. Week just to relax and uh, prepare for the, the the championship season. Of course, town top of the league. Happy days. Um, QPR, of course, this weekend. But um, the transfer window, boys, is um, fast approaching to be closing. Slam shut. Two weeks to go. Um, town, of course, have made a couple of signings. But, um, of course, fans want more, don't they? They want more. Uh, but we haven't had much of a turnover at the club, have we? In terms of all the championships. Stu, you put a piece together of the turnover of all the other clubs in terms of starts. Town, of course, still got very much of their League One team um, and they're stepping up. But um, yeah, quickly chat about that, my friend. Yeah. Every summer, every transfer window, people want new shiny things to play with, new toys. Um, and that can be great. And sometimes you need you need new things. And there is an argument, which we'll come on to in a minute, that Ipswich still do need a, a, a two or three extra possibly, but do not underestimate the power of stability and consistency uh, 
in what is a basket case of a division where you get a ridiculous turnover of managers and players. Um, I looked at it, Ipswich have lost very few key players from last season. Obviously, the, the trimming they've done has been on their own terms, releasing players that were around the fringes like Kane Vincent Young and Richard Keogh, obviously signing George Hurst permanently. Boils down to them losing only 3% of their starting players from last season, 3% of starts from last season, league starts. Same with goals as well. You compare that to the rest of the league, that is a very small number. There's a lot of clubs 50 50% plus in there that turn over. Now, of course, that might be a good thing for some of them. Leicester have lost a lot of players following relegation and they look to have signed some some good players and they might be okay, but, but it's a gamble. And... Um, you know, we only have to look at Ipswich's recent past to know that change cannot be a good thing. Sometimes um, Paul Hurst came in and tried to rip things up a little bit. Ipswich lost a lot of goals that summer. That was a time where everyone was sort of saying, yeah, we need we need to reset. We need a bit of a, a clear out. But losing Waghorn, losing McGoldrick, losing Garner, that was a lot of goals out the team. Selena as well. Adam Webster sold and... Um, too much too soon from Paul Hurst on a number of fronts and, and that backfired. And, and similarly, the Demolition Man summer under Paul Cook, um, 19 summer signings. And we spent the first few months of the season talking about it taking time to gel and players needing to, to bed in on and off the pitch. And it left Ipswich playing catch up um, for the entirety of the season. So it just feels like Ipswich have gone into this season really prepared a squad that knows each other, well-bonded, settled in the area. Um, I feel like they're in a really nice place going into these final two weeks where there's you can't see them under any pressure to sell any key players. There's You look around the rest of the clubs, there's a lot of question marks. Oh, will they keep so-and-so? Will that star striker be going? Yes or no? We've been there before. Waghorn going down to down to late. Uh, Ipswich just feel like they're in a nice position now where they they can kind of control whether they add the last little finishing touches to this squad. Yeah, because um, Akpom, of course, has left when his brother go to um, to Holland. So that's a that's a big, you know, a lot. Of, he scored a lot of goals last year from his brother. So that's a that's a big um, spot to fill. So we'll find out if they can do that. Um, AJ, um, I said couple new signings because at the top of my head, I couldn't remember who we signed, which is bad for me <laughs> as the host. But you can, you, you know, you get used to that with me. Um, of course, we signed Jack Taylor, Kieran Slicker, George Hurst permanently again, and Amari Hudson on loan. Um, Put you on a spot here, my friends. But uh, how would you rate the transfer window so far? Blimey. What, is this like a scale of 1 to 10? Is this like yeah. a star to see? Uh, I think that it has been a very solid... I'll go. I'm, can I do halves? I'll go seven and a half. I think it's just been a very solid mm. seven. I don't, know, I, don't know if, I don't know if we allow that, do we, Stu? I don't know. Oh. I don't like halves. Oh. If you want me to round up, I'll go up to an eight, just because I think it's just been very, very solid. I think... I came in with a perspective, obviously, that it was a team in League One that obviously had done very well, but was still taking the core of their League One team up to the championship and not doing a great deal to it. Now, history doesn't always say that's the best way of approaching a championship season because you need experience that comes in there and you need sometimes quite a few fresh bodies. I know that Town have done that, but it's not been huge changes compared to the rest of the league. It's not really been much at all. 
Then when you look at town from last season, as I have spent now a few weeks doing, and, and when you look at town through preseason and through the first couple of games, you realise, OK, this is a squad that's fully made up for this league. Um, again, an external perspective coming in. So maybe this was a bit more of an obvious take for some people, but they don't need to go out and, and just absolutely turn over the squad. And I think the biggest thing was the consistency, as Stu's kind of highlighted. It's about keeping the star players, of course, and, and the ones that are kind of the big names in the team, the ones who do score the goals and all that. But it's also a case of just making sure that these are players that have played together for a really long period of time now. We've, we've spoken a lot about the Morsi Luongo midfield, for example. How crucial is it to, to keep them as the two and obviously Taylor's come in to compete but it's about having the core of what has got town to this point so far and I think that McKenna has taken the right approach by kind of sprinkling in around the edges is the best way I can put it just different bits to add depth to add competition and there isn't really that much more that they need to do they will obviously want to add and, and there will be areas that they will feel that they need to but from what I can see, and when you look at the squad as a whole, it feels very strong and it doesn't feel like, again, they need to now have the final two weeks absolutely panicking and, and going out and signing four or five players or something like that. This was, this was a team and a squad that was built with the championship in mind, wasn't it? They were building a championship squad whilst in League One and they were building a playing style for the championship in League One. There's, there's ways and means of getting out of League One, as we've seen, that has a, a lower ceiling for success. And that's when, if you get up that way, you kind of claw your way out of League One, and then you think, okay, that that got us so far, but we now need to to change. I don't think Ipswich have followed that model. Um, and you've got to think about what message it sends to your current players. If you went out and signed loads of players this summer, the message you're giving to them is, thanks, you've got us this far, but we don't think you're good enough to to mm -hmm. keep going. And um, so it's a very fine balancing act. Mick McCarthy always used to talk about upsetting the balance of the squad. People always go back to the January transfer window of 2015 when Ipswich were pushing for promotion from the championship. And, and in hindsight, you look back on that window and say, could they have just done a bit more? Should they have been more ambitious? But if you don't think you can get the players that are head and shoulders better than what you've got, then are you just doing it for the sake of it? Um, and I think that's where Ipswich are at at the moment. Give these players a chance to prove that they're good enough. Then you've got January coming down the track, which Ipswich used very well last season. You've got next summer to, to go again if you want to. Um, they will try and add, and they probably will add before the end of this window. We are sitting here still two weeks out. But I think it's important that they didn't sort of rush into this and get a bit excitable that they've got all this American money burning a hole in their pocket. And I think Mark Ashton would probably be honest enough to say as a chief executive in the past, if you've got a manager that kind of is, we need more, we need this, you can get sucked into that as a, as a hierarchy at a football club. But this is where Kieran McKenna's calm, methodical nature comes into its own, where I think he's probably strong enough to turn around and say, actually, no, we're not going to pursue that one. We're going to pull the plug on that because I've assessed what we've got. We're looking quite nice in pre-season. Let's let's just keep our powder dry here. And I think they've been been very sensible. They could have they could have dragged into the emotion of this transfer window, and and they haven't done. 
Yeah, and uh, Stu, you mentioned is, um, the, the summer signing so far for town, and that is, of course, Kieran McKenna signing a new deal. Connor Chaplin signed a new deal, so that's some great other business that's been done. Um, AJ, um, business will probably still be made by town. Where, where do you reckon next is for McKenna and co in terms of signing position-wise? Uh, no more midfielders, please, I think, <laughs> is kind of the first way I'd go about that one, unless they decide to ship half of them out the door. Um, centre-back, I think, is the obvious one. I really like the partnership of Wolfenden and Burgess, so it's a bit of a, a tough one to say. You know, Obviously, a lot has been said of, does McKenna need to have a, a stronger partner for Luke Wolfenden? Well, based on what we've seen so far, maybe not. But there does need to be depth in that area, and I don't necessarily know that there is, in terms of experience at least, and with question marks still over Elk and Bagger, I, I think maybe it could be a case of waiting to get someone in before he could move out, for example. There are there are championship experienced options available there, and I think that that would really help. And I just think the competition and the depth in that, and, and without having to rely on the versatility too much as well, because obviously we've seen players like Don Ball drop there, we've seen Evans drop there. Yeah, it's really good to have that, but having a, a strong list of, of centre-backs that can now come in and kind of just seamlessly fit into the back line, I think will be the priority. After that, versatile striker that can compete with um, Hurst and Ladapo would probably be uh, next in line after that one. I've seen uh, Tyrese John-Jules mentioned about 50 times in the last week or so. Who knows? But someone like that that can just add a little bit of competition, a bit of versatility in there, because I think he can sometimes drift wide as well. That always helps. Um those would be the two that I'd look at uh, as kind of the priority, yeah. And Stu, I want to quickly look at the, as you said, um, Town are actually bottom of the table of terms of the turnover, while Birmingham City are top. So I'm just going to quickly get the stat out that you've done for your great piece. Check that online if you haven't already, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so yeah, Birmingham are top of it, with starts lost, 296, 58%. Um, of course, this is just league only, and their goals lost is 26, so 55%. Town, have just lost four, 14, which is 3%, and lost just three goals, which is 3%. So that is just incredible, isn't it, Stu? You know, this team yeah, and the, the majority of those was Tyrese John Jules, um, yes. who may end up coming back yet. Yeah? So that number could could drop. I think there was um, lots of talk and speculation that he was at the game um, last weekend, maybe just watching his former teammates, who he created a really good bond with. Of course, Kieran McKenna talked about them, them missing him as a, as a character in the dressing room as much as they did his kind of versatile qualities on the pitch. If he's fit, and that's the big if against him, I'd be all for that. You might be getting someone on the cheap there. Uh, Arsenal aren't in a position to ask for a great deal for him, given his injury record. Um, so we'll, we'll see on that one. He might be one that can kind of fit that another body for that top end of the pitch that's versatile. We saw him play as the nine. We saw him play as the ten last season. Um it's very difficult to know where Ipswich go out and sign a starter at the moment. How can you go out and persuade someone? Yet we're signing you to go straight in, straight into the team. Um, right back, if they've got any concerns about Harry Clark's Achilles, um, we don't know the depth of, of that. They're talking it down. He obviously featured off the bench in, in the cup, so that would suggest you know they're hopeful it's nothing too serious, but he's one that you're going to need to manage. We know Genoa is a safe pair of hands there at right back. Beyond that, I mean, yeah, centre centre back is the most obvious position here, isn't it? Burgess and Wolfenden, 
formed a really nice partnership. I like the, the the balance of it in terms of Burgess being a left footer. They're both a good size. Great to see Wolfenden chipping in at a set piece last weekend. Wolfie's nice and calm on the ball. Burgess is really strong in the air. So that they're looking like they sort of complement each other at the moment. But beyond that, you've then got George Edmondson, who, again, this ankle problem is, is sort of hanging over his head. And, and Elkin Baggett, who we hope is is going to be a good player for the future, but maybe maybe it's just a bit a bit too soon to suddenly chuck him in in the championship. And and there will be injuries along the way. And that's where you've got to kind of think, okay, they're they're fine for the here and now. If they get into October, November, December time, and as we saw last season, you can suddenly get three or four players um being ruled out for, for several weeks at the time. How how will this squad shape up then? And that's they need to kind of future proof themselves for the season a little bit. And I think that's where these sort of two or three signings are, are going to come into play. Yeah. And um, AJ, let's uh, wrap up this um, transfer talk there. I know people love the sexy stuff, the new shiny <laughs> toys and all that. Um, of course, there's going to be exits at some stage. We already know that Cole Edwards is likely going to move on, on loan or potentially permanently. Of course, we've got some other young players like Bagger and Cameron Humphreys, um, other fringe players. Um, so they're going to happen at some stage. You know, I don't think there'll be a massive surprise, do you, do you reckon? No, I don't see it. I think that in terms of the the core of the group, for example, I think that town would be, you know, out of their minds to to kind of move any of them on unless absolutely insane offers came in. You know, twenty million for Connor Chaplin, for example, something like that. I don't necessarily think that will happen in the last couple of weeks of the window unless uh, any Saudi Arabian teams have been having a look at him or something like that. Um, I think those are kind of the three mainly. I just think that having the depth there will work really well for town. You don't want to come into the championship and operate on a really, really small squad. It's not like they've they've got absolutely massive numbers either. Obviously, the, the, the squad limits in the championship will, will play a part. Having the likes of Humphreys in there that can come outside of those numbers as well, what will that kind of do for for him being involved, potentially going out on loan? I still think he will. To be honest, I think it will just be those three. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Edwards as well in terms of whether they want to move him out on loan or on a permanent deal because there are... I mean, McKenna's happy for both of those things to happen. I think that the long-term aim will be for him to leave on a permanent because he is at that age now. Other than that, it's just finding good loan clubs for uh, for Baggett and for Humphreys and that is going to be... Uh, a challenge because especially with Humphreys, he's stressed it has to be the right club. Yeah. You know, it's very much when you're a midfielder finding someone that that fits what you want to do in the championship in the lower league form. There aren't too many of those, so that will be again high on the priority list. I think now that uh, the games are starting to calm down, we'll see whether any of them could stay. There aren't that many kind of. Well, we've got the cup games, for example, as well, the Reading game in there. There are options to to rotate and do things like that, but the priority for them has to be regular football and they're not going to get it in the championship. And without the Papa Johns, for example, I think it is best that they, they can find somewhere to play for the season on a regular basis. I think on the Elkin Baggett one, you're right earlier, it's a case of not letting him go till you've got someone else in. And if, if you don't end up finding the centre back you want, you'd be mad to let Elkin go because very similar to Cameron Humphreys this time last year, they undenied whether it was the right thing to send him out. In the end, they kept hold of him and you never know how the season pans out. It was, we suddenly had a load of injuries in central midfield and Cameron Humphreys ended up playing 
quite a few games. Who's to say that couldn't happen with Elkin um, this time around? But um, yeah, I, we'll, we'll see whether they they go and get someone to come in with 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 Burgess and Wolfenden being quite well established at the moment. Do they go and just get someone quite experienced like Craig Cathcart was mentioned uh, earlier in the summer? Someone you can go and get on a free that can might not necessarily be playing every week to start with, but would, would be a good addition sort of off the pitch as well in, in terms of bringing a bit of experience. Um, we'll see. But, I mean, as the squad stands at the moment, even taking Kyle Edwards out of it, that gives you two slots to play with. So um, there's a couple of things that people have to bear in mind when we're all sitting at home playing football managers saying go out and sign whoever because the budget's there. One, you've got the squad restrictions in terms of size, 25 senior players um Ipswich have two two spaces to play with at the moment if Carl Edwards moves on so if we're talking about two or three you're then start starting to have to find another player to move on um I do half wonder when you sort of joked at the start about no more central midfielders I mean you're right there's there's loads in there Luongo Morsi Taylor Humphreys Evans Ball that's six players vying for two uh, for two positions in the team mm -hmm. at the moment Maybe you, you look at moving someone like a Lee Evans on. It wouldn't be a complete shock. Um, I'd be saddened by that because I think he brings some specific qualities with his range of passing. Um, and I thought he was one of their best players in the, the early stages of last season. But the second thing that you have to bear in mind is financial fair play. And um, none of us truly know how close Ipswich are to the edge of that. There's been a lot of talk about them being sort of net zero for transfers and uh, in terms of incomings and outgoings. But that wage bill will have been creeping up. Wages will have gone up with promotion bonuses and things like that. So Ipswich might have the money to spend, but they might not necessarily be able to spend it. They're obviously having to plan one, two, three years ahead in terms of finances. So um, Mark Ashton and co will be planning that all through very, very carefully. Yeah, indeed. Well, um, there we go, Len, ladies and gentlemen. Nice little transfer talk there. So, how do we not got you any sexy stuff to bring you? But um, watch this space in the next two weeks. Um, but let's segue then on to um, another story that's Stu written. And once again, it's online now, so check it out. And um, we've got a few players in the squad who have had roller coasters of town journeys um, from being bombed out, literally leaving the club and all that, going out on loan and coming back. Um, Stu, there's a couple of players there. Like Caden Jackson, Luke Wolford, and Janoy Danashian, you know, even Vaglakalanki. I can't say that name. I just can't say that name. Uh, sorry, Vaz. Um, but yeah, that's um, these players, though, Stu, have had. Somebody clip that up, please. Yeah, that's just that's dreadful. That is just dreadful. Um, but yeah, of course, Luke Wolfenden was questioned, weren't he, on, on Saturday. Someone just dropped it in out of nowhere about that demolition story, of course, that Andy Warren, former office Paris, did. Um, but yeah, they've had journeys, haven't they, Stu? They have indeed, yeah. It's just a reminder of how quickly things can change in football. And I think if you were sitting down with any any footballer and you were trying to say, look, things can change quickly, keep your head down, work hard, perseverance can pay off. There's several examples in this squad. Um, a lot of them in, in the back line at the moment that we've been talking about. Luke Wolfenden um, <clears throat> was linked with a, a big money move to Sheffield United in his early days of of League One, which brought the infamous uh, three million pounds couldn't buy you a flake line from Paul Lambert. Um, then he's then he's completely frozen out and bombed out by Paul Cook. He's training with the under twenty threes and he's he's saying that his head's in the bin and he could barely get himself up in the morning to go to training. And 
he wanted to be anywhere else other than Ipswich, his, which really pained him to say because it's his, his hometown club and his boyhood club. And he was on his way out the door in that January until Kieran McKenna came along. And you can go through several of them. Caden Jackson and John Oydenassian, Paul Hurst signings um, from the lower leagues. And part of that relegated side have been on the four-year League One journey. Janoy's journey is ridiculous with the with the red tape that's prevented him signing permanently to start with and then and then getting loaned out as soon as that that move went through and um we've spoken before on this about how many times we'd go to games in league 1 and he'd be the the extra man sitting in the stands looking forlorn with his hood up at the back and um and here he is starting player in the championship uh, every time you think Janoy's journey has come to an end with Ipswich. He, uh, the renaissance begins again, uh, to coin another Andy Warren term. Um, and Kate Caden's journey's been been very similar as well, hasn't it? At times he's been linked with big money move to Bournemouth one summer. Then he's bombed into the 23s under Paul Lambert after that red card against Sunderland. Um, real roller coaster journeys for quite a few of these. And I think that, that should inspire a lot of other footballers that are... Um, thinking that their time may not come because it because it can and it will definitely yeah check that online right now on our websites um alex i want to mention another player part of that list and um he's a new fan's favorite for you and that is massimo luongo because yeah. he's got a great story because of course he came uh joined in january um didn't play for middlesbrough didn't play for a while and he's been part of that incredible run because when he's played we've just won games and we're still unbeaten with we're actually top of the that the sort of league board of European, you know, teams. We're top of that. Man City are there and all the other big teams. But yeah, he's been part of that and just he just likes to win. Yeah, I think he came in originally as kind of one that raised eyebrows due to his injury records, I believe, was kind of seen as a low risk in a way because he was the, that free transfer that came in. But people were aware that he could have another situation like he had at Middlesbrough and, and not really play much in the way of football there. I don't think he really played at all when he, he had that spell. So there was definitely that side to it. Maybe in a way, aside from the injuries, when you have those kind of expectations, when you come in, it, it makes it easier to come in and absolutely shatter them. He's just so incredibly solid and works so incredibly hard, I think is the, the main thing to say. And he's formed this incredible partnership with uh, with Sam Morsey now as well, which worked very well in League One, of course, and they're probably the two players that you look at in the Championship that have stepped up the best. Town have come in and, and brought a really top-end League One, very solid Championship midfielder in, in Jack Taylor. And at the moment, he's not getting much of a, a look in just because of how strong this midfield partnership is. And again, that is a testament to, to kind of players who come in where their careers have maybe stalled is a harsh word, but in, in this case with Luongo, definitely that, that could be kind of argued where it just wasn't working for him. And coming in to Ipswich, there was obviously the, the risk that it was never going to work. could have happened very easily, but when you come in and work under Kieran McKenna as well, someone who I think is very kind of driven by um, players' individual sides in terms of how they progress, where they fit into the system not necessarily always being the high-profile player that comes in and plays X amount of games, but being someone, well, you're, you're this kind of player, this is what you've been for the last few years, but you can actually be this for us, you can be something that's much more important. And if you're able to stay fit, then we know the value that you can bring to this team. Maybe that's something that a Tyrese John-Jules could see if, if he was 
to come back before the end of the window as well with his injury record. Obviously, Luongo's has been slightly kind of worse before he came in at town, but it just shows that, A, that's what you can do under Kieran McKenna, and B, he's just a top-end footballer. He's just, he has that Rolls-Royce class and he covers every single blade of grass on the pitch. Really fantastic player. Yeah, what a duo him and Sam Moore have been so far. I'm just looking at the league table right now. Um, so, yeah, it's Ipswich for Man City, the top two. And uh, 15 games won, 15 drawn, 52 goals scored, eight goals conceded, which is incredible. Man City, 16 games, two draws, two defeats, 47 goals scored, 13 conceded. So that is just incredible, incredible by town. Uh, well, boys, I think it's opportunity now to have a little breather. Um, from the heavy stuff, and maybe bring you a quiz. Now, we haven't done the strike on the main flagship show for a very long time, but um, I thought, why not bring it back? As I'm the host, I'm in charge, I can do whatever I want. And I wanted to see how AJ and Stu go head-to-head. I want to see who wins this battle. Now, AJ was a bit worried when I said this was the idea, because he's like, oh, it's not going to be town knowledge, is it? Because Stu has got the advantage. But what I've done is the questions are based on town's transfer window so far. So four questions on Jack Taylor... George Hurst, Kieran Slicker, and Amari Hutchinson. So it gives you a little bit help there, AJ, because Stu's probably in the dark as well in terms of these questions. So um, let's take it away. And the first question is on Town's first summer signing, and that is Jack Taylor. Now, Jack Taylor has a brother called Harry. So, yeah, Harry Taylor, um, who plays football too. But for which team in the National League is it? Borenwood, Southend United, or Woking? So there we go. So you I think whoever wrote this story would have maybe mentioned this as a on a passing. Am I supposed um, to um, write this down? As a... Yes, yes. Okay. Pens and paper at the ready, um, just like the the um, fan social podcast we do. Get people. So yeah, Jack Taylor has a brother, Harry, who plays football. I think I know the answer to this, unless he's moved. I think I know the answer as well, but okay. I'm not. Take it away, then, boys. What you, what you reckon? Self end. Self end. It is self end. So there's a point each for AJ and Stu. Question two is on George Hurst. Good old George Hurst. Uh, now, George Hurst had a loan spell in the second tier of Belgian football, but for which team? I may have done this question before on the pod, but I thought I'd recycle it because why not? Uh, now, was it either of these teams? Was it Lamel SK? Was it O Levine? Or salty word gem. I probably said that completely salty? wrong. Salty. <laughs> How do you say it? I don't know. It's, Zol- sure. it's definitely a Z. Salty. Zulta. Zulta. Yeah. There we go. Sorry to any fans of that club. I've just insulted you. We've got um, a big listenership yeah. at. Uh... <laughs> or just Belgium. You know, you know. If you yeah. if you live in Belgium, you listen to this. Big shout out to you. So there you go. What do you reckon, then, boys? Levine, Levine, you are both correct. Desmond going into the third question. The third question is on Kieran Slicker. What a name. Just love that name. Just, uh, just love that name. Of course, um, had an impressive debut, of course, against Bristol Rovers. Getting a clean sheet in the cup. Now, he was born in which town in Greater Manchester? Was it Oldham, Rochdale or Stockport? Wow. AJ knows I, this because he's like, I know this one. I've done even my before the option, here. even before the options came up, he was like, Oh, I know this. It's so, gonna be a complete stab in the dark here. Okay. Um, that is that is, oh, but you never know, AJ. You could be thinking of another player. Or oh, I'm really like scared now. <laughs> Ready? Let's do it. Let's take it away. 
Rochdale, Oldham. And it is Oldham. So AJ's research Whoa. has helped him out there. Three, two, going into question four, the final question. Now, Mario Hutchinson made his professional debut against Man City, um, against Man City last season, the Chelsea, replacing which player? Was it Akeem Ziyech, Christian Pulisic, or Mark Cucurella? So, um, made a second half substitution and replacing either of the players, Ziyech, Pulisic, or Cucurella. Less confident on this one. No. Oh, I'm so happy we haven't got well, we've got Vaz and we, but that's my one fit worry if we uh okay this is, a, this is a guess oh we've gone different gone different which I like but you're both actually wrong he actually replaced Cockerella uh, in the second oh. half so um, AJ has won but as always no no that's fine um, <laughs> I always like to do on the strike is will you gamble um <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> what for? What's he gambling for, Russ? Ah, just to see if you can get it spot on. Because, of course, uh, tiebreaker. Basically, Stu needs to get it bang on, AJ, to take the crown. Um, but do you want to be, you know, do you want to be a sports sport and not use the tiebreaker, you know? Yeah, I want to be a sports gamble. sport. And... <laughs> <laughs> ah, um, you know what? It's going to sound stupid, but since it's my first one and since, yeah. Let's have some pre-QPR fun. Let's gamble then. Go on. Yeah. Because funny enough, the question is on QPR. Um, so I don't know. This could give advantage to Stu. I'm just quickly oh, just dear. replacing the answer on the tiebreaker there for a second. <laughs> so because I'm going to oh, bring up no. the question and I had the answer in the thing. Uh, now, our record at Loftus Road is dreadful. So that gives you a nice little clue. But um, how many times have Town won at QPR in 39 games. Uh, of course, you, you can still play AJ as well. Okay. But, um, so he has to get this spot on. Let's get it bang on. Let's get it bang on to take okay. the win. Um, and of course, ladies and gentlemen, if you've been playing at home, hope you've done well. Um, but yeah, our record at QPR is not good. Last time we won there was 2010. Um, mm-hmm. So, and of course, we'll get on to QPR preview shortly. But uh, off this road is not... At QPR, QPR, yeah, or off Loftus Road. Against Q- okay. Yeah, yeah. Me. So it's it. At QPR in 39 games. Yeah, our record is dreadful. Last time we went there, we lost 3 0 on Boxing Day, which is nice on the Paul Lambert, of course. If it's dreadful, mm. we'll just have total standard of Don't know if that's helped still or not. I don't know. Oh, he's gone 16. Okay. Oh, I went way lower. <laughs> What'd you go for? I went seven. I just seven. It would Ooh. be really bad. I Ooh. don't know. It is double figures. Okay. It does start with one. Yeah. But it's 11, Stu. Sorry to say, my friend. So, Alex, AJ, my friend, you've Ooh. won your first ever strike. We want a speech, my friend. Thoughts on that one? You know what? I think for my first ever one, since I, I woke up and, and Ross was like, oh, yeah, I got a quiz ready. And I thought, this is going to be the end of me. Stu is going to win this 4-0 and I'm going to get absolutely routed on a pod. I, I was fearing the worst, but when you when you said where Kieran Slicker was born, I thought, yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know everything about that man, obviously. So, uh, yeah, the confidence never left, and I, I gratefully received my trophy that I assume is coming in the post. Uh, yes, I'll, I'll give it Thank to you, you when we go to QPR. Definitely, definitely indeed. Um, and, yeah, 
that is up next then, boys. Shall we um, segue on to QPR? We've got other, other business as well, but we'll get on to that later in the pod. But uh, Town, of course, back in Championship action this weekend against uh, Gareth Ainsworth's QPR, who um, they lost midweek, um, or actually Wednesday night, uh, against Norwich, who scored a last-minute winner. Um, but enough said about that. But um, they had a mixed bag start to this season. They lost the opening game, of course, 4-0, um, against Watford, but then one on the weekend away at Cardiff, winning 2-1. And, of course, got some familiar faces, but we'll get on to them shortly, Stu. But, um, yeah, your thoughts, early thoughts on this one? Well, QPR, I think, are among many people's picks for relegation this season. Stayed up by the skin of their teeth last year. Finished the season really poorly after Gareth Ainsworth had come in. Bit of a romantic appointment for them, former player. Um Seems like a bit of a style shift. We all um, know sort of Gareth Ainsworth's Wickham sides. I know he's already sort of playing on the underdog tag. Everyone's written us off and we've got to kind of um, battle against that. Um, yeah, they did well to kind of stem the bleed with that, that win at Cardiff um, last weekend, although Cardiff were among my picks for the bottom three as well. So I don't know how much we can, we can read into that. Um, conceded after 33 seconds into the new season, which um, wasn't the best of starts, and it seemed to unravel quite quickly from there. Um, so, yeah, it'll be an interesting game for Ipswich. Um, probably a bit of a different bit different style um, that they've faced in the opening two league games so far. Different challenge. Yeah, and uh, AJ, you, you probably know QPR... A lot. So, of course, now Gareth Ainsworth in charge. Of course, he, he kept them up. You know, I think he's he's a, a fan's favourite in terms of a player back in the day when he played there. And he's come come in and, of course, kept them up. But um, what's your memories of those two games last season when, when Millwall played QPR? So the first one was right at the start of the season. It was when they were absolutely flying. I think they won 2-0 at the Den with some horrible Millwall defending uh, to go top of the league. Uh, Mark will be very angry if I don't tell the story because I told him this when we met for, for a coffee uh, shortly after I, I got this job, which was, I, I said, when it was when Mick Beal, now of Rangers, was in charge at um, QPR. And I was talking to someone at the time saying, oh, yeah, it's Mick Beal in charge. And they said, oh, that's like Ian Beal from EastEnders. And then I proceeded to write that in my preview that went live the next day. And I had a lot of people laughing at me on Millwall Twitter. I woke up and it was like lots of people had circled it saying Ian Beal. I had lots of Ian Beal memes being sent to me for about the week after that. Uh, that was not one of my... <laughs> proudest moments in the industry um so that is my probably my strongest memory from that game uh they've obviously had an absolutely turbulent few weeks and months after that they they went to the replay with oh what's his name it's totally escaped me now the blackpool manager neil critchley yeah. that is the one um who i was very surprised this didn't work out because i think neil critchley aside from you know, maybe frustrating most of Blackpool is, is a very good manager and it just didn't work at all. He was the right style of play for what I think they needed. And that I watched them at Loftus Road. They only lost 2-1 in that game, but Millwall easily could have made it 3 or 4. There was a comfortable difference. And again, it's one of those where when you look at the squads, and I thought this last season when, um, when Millwall went to Loftus Road and they were on an absolutely wicked losing run, 
they were just getting battered every single week. You look at the, the quality they've got, and there's a lot there. Ilias Chair, top-end championship player for, for my money. Lyndon Dykes was linked with a move to Millwall for two or three million. We obviously know Andrew Dazelle will get on to him. There's other really good players in there. Uh, they've got Begovic in goal now. There's a lot of experience in there. Uh, and Sinclair Armstrong leading the line, only 20, but has a lot of quality. He got a goal and an assist against Cardiff. He looks to be one of the best youngsters in the division based off what we've seen. So there are there's quality there. I just don't really know whether they're built to be uh, a, uh, a side that um, plays this, this direct style that... Uh, we know that Ainsworth is keen on kind of bringing in. I know that maybe he has tried to be a bit more flexible with that, but it, it doesn't feel like a match that's made out to be in heaven. Let's put it that way. And uh, I, I'm still not convinced despite, you know, winning against Cardiff and improving midweek against Norwich. I think that the players are right there. And I think that they do have what it takes to stay up. There is a lot of quality there, but they have to make sure it's the right system. And Stu, um, before we get on to of course players to watch and all that, um, I want to sort of ask you a question on the the story that AJ just said about. Have you ever written um, a wrong name for a manager or player before? Uh, yeah, Mark will know because I have. He'll tell me I've got certain blank spots on certain people where you do you do mix up that thing where you've got somebody else's surname in your mind. Um, I have had it with one or two in the past. Um, I am quite pleased that it was um, Michael Bill who was on the end of that story because you remember he was the one that tried to claim that my uh, Macaulay Bond story was a, a, a misquote to a journalist when uh, Macaulay talked about wanting to come back to Ipswich. So um, a little bit of justice there maybe. But uh, yeah. I enjoyed that. Bill, it's a good story. Mark said he had one, I think, which was John Massino that he always wrote as John Mourinho. Yeah. So yeah. I think there are a few. Uh, I just think mine was slightly embarrassing that I did Ian Beale. It wasn't just like a spelling mistake or me thinking about another manager. No, it was me having a conversation with a member of family about a character off EastEnders and my brain just going, that'll be right. Yeah, that's fine. And then just publishing it, went through, proofed all of it. And something in my brain was like, yep, yeah, that's absolutely fine. We'll put it out as Ian Beale. Is he still there? Is he still in, on EastEnders? I don't why I've watched it for like decades, but like... Know. He's like we like so many characters who are just there all the time, aren't they? Like it's like Phil Mitchell and you know. I don't and all think that. he is off the top of my head. But maybe maybe a little break and he'll sure. come back. They always they bring characters <laughs> back from the dead, don't they? Sometimes I mean, remember Dirty Den back in the day? They brought him back after he got killed. Uh, whatever. Anyway, enough about EastEnders. Um, dude, let's talk about Andre Dazel because this will be the first time since he's going to be coming up against town since he left uh, back in 2021. So um, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, it will be. And when you look, I felt for Andre when I saw Gareth Ainsworth go in as Q, QPR manager. I think he's a, he's a good man manager, Gareth Ainsworth. But style-wise, I think Andre could be getting a bit of neck ache. I, I mean, you said you've seen QPR in the championship more than I have, Alex. And it sounds like he's tried to be a bit more flexible and work with what he's got. But I'm not sure Gareth Ainsworth and Andre Dezel are the best of, of fits. And um you know, he's somebody who who wants the ball and can and can has got the vision and the the passing range from from deep. Um, it sounds like at times he was being asked to do a man to man marking job on opposition players. I think uh, I saw a bit of the, their game against Watford last season, and he just stuck to 
uh, Joao Pedro like glue throughout that entire game, whether QPR had the ball or they didn't have the ball. Andre was just with him and that that's not his game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he looks, how he's deployed in this match. Um, his match up against whether someone like Sam Morsi just stops him having the ball. Um, if Morsi and Luongo are in the same sort of form they were in last weekend, um, you would imagine that that's, that's not going to be an easy game for Andre because uh, that's not, he, he doesn't, he doesn't like uh, that sort of intense press on him as is how you stop Andre doing the damage that, that we know he can do so um yeah i would i would imagine he'll get a um hopefully a warm re- reception nothing nothing over the top but he's certainly not going to be getting any booze or anything like that he's an ipswich boy scored on his debut age 16 there should be there should be a feeling of warmth towards him it's um there is that still that feeling that you just if things had lined up differently imagine if uh, kieran mckenna had got hold of andre Dizel and flynn downs and you know, and they'd kept those young players together along with Luke Wolfenden and, and seen what they'd have all been able to do together. It's a shame we, we never get to find get, got to find that out. Yeah, what could have been? Um, AJ, QPR have got a quick turnaround because, as yeah, I said, they played Wednesday night. Um, of course, we did the same when we had Bristol Rovers last week on Wednesday. Of course, we had Stoke on the Saturday, but they've got a quick turnaround. Uh, both games are going to be at Loftus Road because they, they actually opened their season with two away games because they're at Watford for the opening game, and then, of course, away at Cardiff last weekend. So a quick turnaround for them. I think they had a few injuries as well. I think Dykes actually came off injured. I don't know. Once again, we'll find out. Gareth Ainsworth will talk about injury news. But, uh, yeah, quick turnaround for them. Yeah, quick turnaround, but interesting going back to Loftus Road. I think uh, I really like it as a stadium because it's compact. You're right on the edge of the pitch. Even from the press box, you're not a million miles away. The away fans, I mean, there'll be a lot of town fans there. You're you're really right behind the goal. So it, it feels really hostile, even if it isn't necessarily this kind of big grudge match. Obviously, when I went there, it was uh, Millwall and there's, you know, it's not necessarily a derby, but there's quite a bit of hatred between the two there regardless of what kind of game it is, just because of the, the proximity of the stadium. I did this in one of the stadium pieces that this is one of the ones I was excited for, just because it kind of almost, in a way, replaces the Kenilworth Road coziness that, that you have. There isn't really a stadium like this in the division. It's also going to be, to an extent, what the reception is going to be like for QPR, because they've come into this one, obviously having played Norwich in midweek in a similar way that... Um, Town had Bristol Rovers, but there'll be more people on uh, on Saturday for the town game. What is the reception going to be like for this team, especially if things don't go to plan, where we obviously know Ainsworth is already feeling a bit of the pressure. And there's a lot of board level as well. There's been a lot of change. We don't really know necessarily kind of who's in charge of this club, who who makes the decisions in terms of the hiring and firing of, of Ainsworth, if if they went down that route and they wanted to get someone in. And in terms of transfers, doesn't really seem to be anyone that, that's there to kind of take charge of the situation. And this lack of control has very much frustrated the fans. If things go south uh, against Ipswich, and we know that Town are a team that can make fast starts, put lots of pressure on early like they did against Stoke, then this, this could turn quite nasty quite quickly. At the same time, is there a banana skin here? Because... There's, there's this expectation that QPR are rubbish. Everyone's got them tipped to finish bottom of the, the 1 to 24s. And I think that that's a, that's a risk when you have players of this quality, when you have an Ainsworth side that, you know, 
knows how to win games. He is a manager that has done it a lot, even if it hasn't necessarily translated into the championship. There is a risk there. So it's going to be about feeling it out in the early stages, but not being surprised if it is one where they come into it and think, wow, okay, we're in for more of a game than we expected we were. But whether that is the case or not remains to be seen. If it's not, it could turn quite nasty quite quickly. Be interesting yeah. to see how much they go for it. It's their opening home league game, and you can't be setting up ultra defensive and feeling your way into those, can you? Yes, you know, I think there's an expectation that you, you've got to try and be at least on the front foot um, from the start, at the very least. Um, does that play into Ipswich's hands? They look like they're morphing into more and more of a counter-attacking side. With the opening two games, they've had less possession than both Sunderland and, surprisingly, Stoke last weekend. Ipswich look like they can launch very fast, rapid counter-attacks, and that's going to be a new part of their armoury in the championship. So um, maybe that's if, you know, Ainsworth's talking about making them more solid, more organised. He's getting in some experienced players. He was used to being surrounded by experience at Wickham in, in the dressing room. He's brought in people like uh, Steve Cook from Forest on on a free. Um, Jack Colback, former Ipswich loanee, he's been injured at the start of the season, but he might be available for this one. So um, is this more of the sort of the League One challenge we saw last year with a team sort of sitting sitting deep and being difficult to break down? Or do they do they come at Ipswich and, and Ipswich maybe try and hit them on the counter-attack? It's going to be interesting. Yeah, and of course, they're one of our bogey sides, if you want to quote that. Um, once again, a lot of this was in the Championship and um, we, of course... Well, a little bit um, not great well in the championship for many years. But um, yeah, the last 12 games against QPR is not good. Two wins, um, one draw and nine defeats. So uh, yeah, hopefully that will be a, a bad... Well, hopefully not be the open going into this game. But um, that is the next question though, boys. Prediction. Um, or should we actually chat about the team maybe? Um, will there be any changes? Will, will that just be a straight 11 once again? The same 11 for the third game in a row? What do you reckon? Ooh, yeah. Same eleven. I think the biggest the biggest question mark for me was maybe does does he toy around with the right back situation with Harry Clark potentially being someone that could come in? Not for me. I think they've been solid and, and McKenna is one that we know doesn't like to change a winning formula too much. When he finds a team that works, he seems to stick to it. And I think from what you're saying, he stuck to uh, his guns pretty much week in week out throughout that winning run at the back end of last season. Be strange to change it now. Yeah, same team. No midweek game this week. No midweek game next week. No reason to change it whatsoever. Okay, that's done. Done. That's to them. Prediction then, then boys. AJ, uh, we're just going to follow you basically because you've got them bang on the last two games. Um, what do you reckon? I'm still not over the Luke Wolfenden pick. It's really upsetting me. Um, I'm going to go my first goal scorer first. I think it is about time that one of his many shots hits the back of the net. Connor Chaplin, do me proud. This is your time to shine, my friend. I'm going to go... I think that it will be a more open game than QPR wants it to be, as Stu said, in terms of the fact they have to go and attack this game. And I think they will score, but I think that Town will score more. I'm going to go 3-1 Ipswich Town. 3-1. Stu, what, what are you thinking... Uh, I will go for another very professional 2-0 win with George Hurst as the opening goal scorer. Okay, George Hurst opening goal scorer. Chap has a score his first championship goal for town. Uh, I'm going to go 1-0. going to be scrappy. going to be annoying, um, but we get the goal. Maybe a late winner because why not? Um, so the late winner will be scored by Leif Davis. Why not? Comes from the post, back post, boom, 
happy days, one nil, three points, move on. Um, so there we go. Um, now, boys, let's um, so any other business. Um, shall we chat? Uh, quickly about uh, a bit of a loan watch. Um, of course, soon we could be adding other players to this because hopefully, um, I won't say hopefully, but you never know, Humphreys, Edwards, blah, blah, blah uh, Baggett could get sorted. But um, three players played on Tuesday because uh, League One football was playing, um, which was a nice little break for us. We didn't need to worry about playing League One football midweek because we're now in the championship. Um, of course, there will be midweek games we'll have to play. But uh, Panucci Kamara played another full 90 minutes, which is good to see. Idris also played, but... Uh, uh, seen another defeat, and then Gasana had me, which I want to cover more, Alex, because uh, you were at this game. Cambridge did lose against yeah. Stevenage. Uh, Jordan Roberts, formerly of this Paris, scored in that game as well. Um, but yeah, how did Gas get on for Cambridge? Really hard game, I think, when you're trying to be the target man striker against Steve Evans. As I was saying, saying to you before we went on there, it's just a nightmare. I think Cambridge approached the game the wrong way. They just had the ball in the air. Steve Evans, big physical, you know, he has centre-backs that has uh, six foot six, both of them pretty much absolute giants. And when you're just trying to hook these balls onto a Hadmo's head for him to run on, it just wasn't the, the right kind of game for him. So one that he struggled with, I wouldn't necessarily look too much into it because I don't think that Cambridge are going to have too many games like that in League One this season. He's already shown in the first two what he's capable of. But this this was maybe showing the other side of his game that, when it comes up against these really hard, direct football teams like Stevenage, it, it can be a bit of a, a challenge for him. And it's the same with the other former town players in there. Paul Digby didn't really have the control that, that he needed there. And, and Jack Lancaster just looked a bit lost overall. So it was a hard game for Cambridge, a hard game for Gas. But um, there will be easier ones on the horizon where he has more space to work with, for sure. He's got his own yeah. chant now, though, hasn't he? Yes, He's got uh, gas and uh, <laughs> which is uh, his his latest one, which I thought was fantastic. I sent that into the chat the other day, and I think Mark absolutely loved that. So, uh, you know what? I, he seems quite happy as well. He, he he's he needed it, I think, after a tough spell at town and coming into a club where he's kind of even in spirit of the chant, just kind of become the main man a little bit. I think suits him really well. Yeah, hopefully he's gone scoring some goals. And uh, yeah, Idris has not had a good start to life. Oh, I wouldn't say he hasn't, but uh, Leighton Orient hadn't had a good start to life in in, in League One because they haven't won a game since getting promoted. So um, not a good start there. Uh, but good to see Panuche play back-to-back 90 minutes, um, Stu, because he's had those injuries, had surgery. Um, it was part of a, a, a losing side. But um, one Charlton fan actually messaged me after I put that lone watch story out and said actually he played well despite, um, of course, Charlton losing. Good. Yeah, he just needs games, doesn't he? Um, I think Kieran McKenna was a little bit irked over the summer when uh, he was um, Panucci was being linked to various clubs and the Portsmouth manager, uh, John Massigno, um, not Jose, uh, I think sort of said, uh, fairly in my opinion, well, you know, is he robust enough? You look at his injury record, but... I think there was a feeling that, that that would stick and that would put other people off from having a look at him. And, and Kieran was very quick to say, well, he's actually been training with us from Christmas onwards. He was playing for the under-23s. He's been fit for a little while. He just obviously couldn't get into a team that was steamrolling everyone in, in League One. So hopefully he's got all that groin surgery and, and injury problems behind him now and they, they can build him up. And um, he, may, he may still have a future at Ipswich. You never know. 
yeah, definitely we shall see. Well, AJ, um, a few other bits to go. We literally got to the hour mark, which is um, solid from us. Uh, mm-hmm. Working with not much, really. We've um, had to bring a great show, and um, thankfully you boys have been able to give us some good insight. But AJ, um, the only 21 started their season on uh, Tuesday. Yep, it was Tuesday. Uh, they lost 6-0 which is not a good start. But uh, Sheffield United were the team who beat them 6-0. Um, one of their players scored a hat-trick. Um, I think they scored, I think, three goals in the space of like seven minutes. So they were they were being uh, ruthless against town. Um, but Sheffield United, they, they won their, their division, and uh, but they lost against Millwall, didn't they? So another connection mm-hmm. to you in that playoff match to win the, the you know, the South Southern Northern thing. Um, but yeah, not a good start for the 21s, but they're playing against a very good team. Yeah, they're annoyingly one of the teams I never got to see because uh, by the by the time they played this game, I'd left covering Millwall uh, by the time they'd done the final. But it was always a feeling going into it. I think town off the top of my head, they Bristol City. I can't remember now, but they had a really tough game to get through to the final. And it was always a feeling that it would be them and Sheffield United. They were the two teams that won, the, the, obviously Millwall winning the South, Sheffield United winning the North. You looked at the the squad that they had. There were players that started uh, their first Premier League game that played in that final with them. Osula, I think, might be butchering that, who uh, I believe started against Crystal Palace. He was uh, playing. He started in that uh, the final against Millwall. So there is a lot of quality there. It's a it's a hard league that the PDL where they don't necessarily play as regularly, but it just feels really really ruthless. And at the end of it, I, I remember going into the semi-final I'm thinking oh wow so they can win promotion here no they can't they they have to upgrade the uh the academy to to win promotion so it's just kind of this endless cycle but it was a hard way for town to start and um they will have easier challenges than uh playing Sheffield United for sure they have the the quality there and you've got to bear in mind as well with a club that has a lot of Premier League money and you can go and invest in the academy that these kind of teams are going to be a little bit better equipped for these games. It's quite a young side, Dips, which have got yeah. their 23s, isn't it? I think you've got to take take that into account as well. Um, people that we saw in pre-season like um, Brian Carr and Ayinde and, and others like that, the, the Barbrook twins, you know, there's a lot of 18, 18 19-year-olds in, well, it's under 21s now, it's old, old habits die hard, but it feels like quite a, a young side. Um, I spoke. I can't remember who told me. Someone within the academy game said, "You're doing something wrong if your under twenty one side is full of twenty twenty one year olds. Um, they should have moved on by then. They should be part of the first team if you're doing something right." So hopefully, um, you know, Ipswich are at the start of a, a young cycle of their their twenty ones. Um, but um, yeah, not a result they would have wanted to start with John McGreal and David Wright's team for sure. Yeah, not a great start, but yeah, playing against a very good Sheffield United team. I'll just quickly look at their fixtures. Of course, they've got Birmingham next weekend, and after that, uh, or next Tuesday, sorry, but after that, they've got to go to Fleetwood Town. They've got to go all the way to Fleetwood. I think Fleetwood are now in their in their league, and so that's a long way to go. Uh, they'll be playing at Highbury at the Highbury Stadium. Fleetwood are in the South Division. Well, I think it's it's like Inter... Yeah, you know, it gets it, yeah. mixed up. It's really oh, okay. strange. Yeah, yeah. I, it doesn't make any sense. Because but... they're playing Crew. they've got Wigan. As well, um, whole city. Um, it's about as regionalised as the Carabao Cup. This <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Well, I'm just looking at the pictures now. There, yeah, I've got Fleetwood. I'm um, on the 29th of August, which is just at least get out of the way now. So um, mm-hmm. at least that's done in August, which is good. Um, but yeah, they started their season on Tuesday. But the Itchers Town Women's Team, they start their season this weekend. They've got a long trip to Cardiff 
um, this weekend. Of course, the England Lionesses, congratulations to them. They've reached, of course, the World Cup final, which is um, a great achievement. And, of course, this Sunday is the game, of course, in the morning. Um, So they're going to be playing Spain. But, yeah, the Track Girls start their season against uh, Cardiff City, um, newly promoted. So um, best of luck to the women's team this weekend. They've just signed a new player, Ruby Doe from Arsenal, um, on dual registration. So um, she could be making a debut. But another season for Josie inside to hopefully win promotion for the third time. Uh, lucky, hopefully, could be it. But, um, boys, any other business before we wrap up? We are now getting to an hour on the pod. Of course, actually, check out Track the Girls Talk if you haven't already uh, with me, Blue Wilson and Megan Waring to get you all your Israel Town women's news and chat about that game and all the other bits and bobs. But, AJ, any other business from you, my friend? I'm terrified by the way you've built up this horrible record at Loftus Road. It was the way you said, hopefully the bad omen continue. And then you stopped yourself and you were like, oh, no, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that scares me a little bit. I, as I said, I really like Loftus Road. I think it's they've, they've done up the press room a bit. And I love how kind of compact it is and, and the atmosphere you can get out of it. But you've made me worry now. Uh, I like how near it is to Cambridge as well, which makes it a little bit easier for me to get in. Fair enough. Um, Stu, last time we were there was Boxing Day 2018, and we lost 3-0. Once again, I'm bringing out these stupid stats. They don't really matter now, do they, Stu? Because we've got new ownership. We've got new Kieran McKenna. We've got new players. doesn't matter, but, you know, these stats bring up. But uh, any other business from you? Yeah, I'm not worried about omen stats like that. They are, like you say. It's completely different now, but you're right. I always got, QPR always seemed to be Boxing Day, didn't it? There's a lot of QPR Boxing Day games. Been some, a lot of them were pretty turgid as well from memory, but... um. Yeah, same as Alex, really. Look, Loftus Road is one of the uh, the fun grounds to go to, tight to the pitch. Looking forward to it. And they do wonderful pies as well. I've missed those. Uh, I ate three of them last time I went to QPR. They're quite small yeah. in my defence, little miniature pies. But I did I did do the hat trick, so um, I might give that another go. Do you get the match pie? Yeah, to, to take the match pie home. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I got you all to sign it. And I'll put yeah. it in a little glass case that I'll put behind my slightly messy backdrop. Yeah. No, there we go. That, sorry, that was bad for me. That was that was terrible. That was terrible. But anyway, um, that is where that's how we're gonna end the pods. Um, but of course, final little bits to mention, of course. Um, if you haven't already, um follow us on all our socials on Kings of Anglia. Follow Stu and Alex as well. They'll be at the game just like me. Um, so if you go into the game, enjoy it. But if you're not, follow the game with us. Um, of course, um, Shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped. Use the code KOA to get 20% off and free delivery for all your below-the-waist grooming, your beard stuff, your nose stuff, your ear stuff, all that sort of stuff. Um, say stuff one more time, Ross. There we go. Uh, Google Ads, marketing and all that. CEO, Google G- Ginger Pickle. They're the ones for you. Tony Southgate and the team will sort you out. And um, SEO. Sorry, that's the word. Um, what's that? What does that mean? What's the, the full... Search engine optimization. Oh, yeah, that's sexy. That is sexy stuff. Definitely. Um, but yeah, check Ginger Pickle out if you want that. Uh, as I said, me and AJ and Stu will be at the game. So if you see us, say hello. Um, if you're not, follow the game with us. And uh, that's another flagship show in the bag. And we'll be back next week. Heathy will be back in the hot seat, I imagine. So um, there'll be maybe more structure to the pod. But uh, anyways, bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.